Welcome to the Salted Caramel Podcast from Our Lady of Mount Carmel. My name is David Cook. I'm the stewardship director here, and with me is my co-host, Jody Curtis, who is amazing. (laughs) That was the only adjective I could think of today. But here on this podcast, we're going to share individual faith stories, and we got a great guest today. Who is our guest, Jody? Our guest today is Craig Novak. Craig, welcome to the Salted Caramel Podcast. Hey, David and Jody. Yeah, what would you like our listeners to know about you, Craig? Yeah, so I've uh, been married almost 10 years, coming up this August to, to my wife, Maria. Uh, we met at Ball State University. We have three children, Xavier, Eli, and Avila, seven, five, and three. Xavier goes to school at Arley Mount Carmel. He's first grade there, and Eli will be in kindergarten next year. Um, we've been at Arley Mount Carmel for about four years now, but three years more recently, and then one one or two years right after we got married. So we kind of took a hi- hiatus. Maybe we can kind of dive into that as part of my story. Um, we left and then came back. But yeah, we're thrilled to be a part of the parish and school and um, hope, God willing, you know, be here a long time. We live in Westfield, if I didn't mention that. We live over in Westfield. Well, you mentioned a little bit about your story. So I say, let's, let's just go deep right away. Tell us about your childhood. What what happened? <laughs> what was your life like before Christ growing up? What was your relationship with God and with your family? How did you build into be the man you are today? You know, I grew up Catholic, but I just kind of went through the motions throughout my childhood and high school, you know, got confirmed, but it didn't really mean anything to me. In high school, once I got my license, it was newfound freedom. Got out of the house, was spending a lot of time over at my friend's house, and we just we we kind of got into a lot of bad things um, in high school, my junior and senior year. Never got officially in trouble with my parents or the law. Maybe a little bit with my parents. It was kind of just a, a, a wandering stage in my life. I mean, I know a lot of people go through that, but I call it kind of the experimentation stage. So a lot of, a lot of that in in high school, and then it really just kind of downward and even more out of control in college won't get into the to the gory details but just did a lot of stupid things as a college student um but it was really some of those stupid things you know allowed me to realize how stupid i was and led me back to christ so two two really i guess i'll share three big moments one of them is kind of my encountering christ moment but two of them i don't think i would have had that moment if these things didn't happen so my freshman year at Ball State, it was the second semester, so almost into my freshman year. I was not really at a good point in my life. I mean, just, you know, doing a lot of stupid stuff. And one of my cousins, uh, Zachary, Zach Novak, um, he was a student at IU, a, a really great music student, actually. And I don't know if you guys remember this. This was, oh, you know, 15, what was it? Gosh, almost 15 years ago now. There was a plane crash, music students coming back from Purdue, a rehearsal. Well, my cousin Zachary died in that plane crash at age, I don't know, 24, 25. And he was from Anderson, Indiana. And one of the, it was a very, it was a very, obviously a tragic moment in my life and for my family. And I'd never known anybody that happened to anything like that. I mean, so one, very tragic, but two, it was just a very, you know, made me reflect on my life. I mean, seeing death, but then going to my cousin's funeral in Anderson, Indiana, it reminded me of like a blessed Pierre Giorgio Versati, where he had 10,000 people show up at his funeral. My cousin Zachary had 4,000 people show up at his funeral visitation. And just to hear and see the people and hear the stories and see my aunt and uncle meeting people that he, they had never met before and the impact that he made on their life 
as a person and as a Christian man at that young of an age really struck me. Um, and it just, it kind of was a wake up call, but you know, with my thick skull, it took me another two or three years to get through. Uh, but it, it really rattled me a shock that kind of hit me and it made me reflect on it. And, and that sat with me, I think over the years. So then the next thing, fast forward to my junior year, uh, my brother uh, was at Ball State as well. So I was a junior, he was a freshman. And he was, we never had like a great relationship. Uh, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. And he was really introverted. I was extroverted. We're different people. But he started getting involved with Campus Crusade for Christ at Ball State crew. And I could see him just coming alive in a new way. I mean, he same thing. I mean, he went through the motions, got confirmed, was Catholic, didn't really mean much to him. But he started coming alive in Christ. And he asked me to come to a couple of these events. So I was like, yeah, I'll go like hang out with my brother and all this stuff. And just the joy and there was something there with those people and my brother that I hadn't seen before. I was like, what is going on? And again, it made me look at my life and there was, I knew there was something there. The Holy spirit was moving and stirring. So from that junior year on, I started kind of, there was, there was things resonating within me, you know, um, him and my dad were talking and debating about Catholicism and not Catholicism. And you know, he's, he's since left the church, but he's still a, a devout Christian. But it made me think, well, maybe there's something to the Catholic Church, and my dad's talking about this stuff, and he's making some good points. So finally, my senior year, um, I went back to Mass. I was not going to Mass, you know, at all. That's the only thing I knew how to do. So I started going back to Mass at the Newman Center at Ball State. It just so happens, uh, Focus, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students, shows up. uh, It was their first year on campus. was my senior year. I just started going back to Mass. I don't even know how. Um, so Mark, Mark Joseph is one of the missionaries that I met and, and uh, still a good friend to this day and also a parishioner at Ali in Mount Carmel now as of the last year, him and his family. But um, I joke because I don't even know how Mark got my number. I joke, maybe I stared at their little pop-up banner, you know, in the back of church too long and he came up and talked to me and someone got my number. I have no idea. Whatever the next weeks, he proceeded to call and text me to invite me out to lunch, and I finally caved. And you know, as a college student, you know, free food is always a great thing. Um, so I, I will never forget. I mean, it was this was kind of the pivotal moment that I think everything shifted for me, and, and it was the beginning of Mark and I's friendship. He took me out to Penn Station, and we we had a really good chat. I couldn't tell you much more of what we talked about, other than he mentioned Saint John Paul II. And he was talking passionately about him and about the Catholic faith. And he was asking me questions and listening to me and caring for me. And he was just a, a normal guy. And I think that's what struck me most was he was just a normal guy. He shared some of his story. He went through some of the same stuff that I did. So I was like, oh, wow, this guy kind of gets me. And he went through, you know, some of this stuff. And yet he's on fire for Jesus. And he's talking about Pope John Paul II. And I don't even know what made sense, but leaving that, like the the Holy Spirit was stirring in me and it hit me and I knew something had to change. And I knew that he had something that I didn't have that I wanted. So that really started this, this relationship between Mark and I, and we started meeting, not like regularly, but he'd call me, I'd call him and we'd get together and we'd talk through stuff, hard questions. Uh, Throughout the same time, you know, I, I met my now wife, Maria, about the same within a couple of weeks of meeting Mark and Maria was, you know, a good Catholic girl. She never missed mass. And it was in one of my, 
one of my classes. Yeah, she was in one of my classes and we started just kind of talking, hanging out and we started dating. And so through Mark and Maria, there's kind of a, this dynamic duo of, of a faithful man and a faithful woman in my life that totally changed my life throughout that course of that year. So I went back to confession for the first time. Um, I think it was probably in the fall, went back to, to confession, which was a huge watershed moment for me. Um, some of the sins that I was struggling with, I know this doesn't happen all the time, but the power of confession, some of the sins I was struggling with, I, I did not struggle with those sins immediately after going to confession. And I know that's not always the case, right? Like we always, we have our sins we struggle with, but at that time it was just this profound grace of coming back home to the church and some of those big like mortal sins even that I was struggling with, like was not, it was just wiped clean. So I can tell you more like pivotal moments throughout that year, but I dove back into my faith. I got involved in the Newman Center, signed to go up on a Haiti mission trip, continued to meet with Mark um, and developed a true friendship with him. And he was transformational in my journey. Then got married to Maria a year after that. And then we worked for a few years in Indianapolis and uh, then joined Focus. Yeah, yeah. Go, go yeah. into how that affected how you live your life. Go for it. Yeah. So, I mean, Mark and I stayed in close contact after college. You know, we, Maria and I were both working uh, full-time jobs for three years after college on the north side of Indianapolis. We lived on the north side of Indianapolis and we're going to Our Lady of Mount Carmel at the time. And we just had this continua, continual uh, growing and burning desire within us to wanted to share Jesus with other people. So we were both respectively trying to do this at our, at our workplaces and to some success, some not, but we just, we were trying to evangelize our coworkers and this was on our heart. And we're like, man, what if we like, what if we could do this full time? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? And we just we think it was that question. Like, what if we could do that? And we're like, well, how can we do that? Like who, we can't be like ministers or we're not like in theology. So I think at one point I was like, well, what about focus? You know? So we started, I started talking to Mark and asking him questions. And of course, you know, you got to fundraise your own support. So we both um, were working full-time jobs. So lo and behold, we, we just said, we're going to, I'm going to apply and see what happens. Long story short, I got an offer. We, we felt, you know, we were called to do it at that time. We discerned and prayed a lot and felt we were called to do it and just had a lot of peace about the whole situation and really felt like it was a call from God to, to go and to do that. I mean, it had made a huge impact on my life with my involvement with Focus. Maria was all involved a little bit at Ball State, but not as much as I was. It wasn't as transformational for her as it was for me. But, you know, we, uh, we found out a couple of weeks later after we said yes, that we were pregnant with our first son, Xavier. And, you know, our parents, I think, thought we were crazy at the time because we're quitting our jobs. And said, hey, mom and dad, we're going to go fundraise our own support. And by the way, we're pregnant. And oh, by the way, we're moving to Dubuque, Iowa. Uh, and we ended up going out there and served at Loris College for three years. Craig, um, for some of our listeners who might not know what Focus is, can you just give a, a brief highlight on, on the ministry of Focus? Sure. Yeah, Focus has been around about 20 years. Uh, they're the nation's largest Catholic collegiate outreach. So they now serve on probably 170 maybe more campuses with a fleet of 800 or so full-time missionaries that are sent out to really invest in the college, in the students to build relationships with them and hope that they would 
through a lifestyle and sharing their life and their faith with them and through their friendship, share the gospel and really equip them to be lifelong leaders and lifelong missionaries in whatever, wherever the Lord's calling them and whatever occupation. And how has that, after serving and focused, how has that impacted how you live your faith life today? I mean, I, I think it's affected everything. I mean, it, 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 it gave me the foundational tools and really helped me live them and put them into practice for four years on campus as a full-time missionary. So, I mean, I, as a missionary, we were, you know, praying a holy hour every day. We were praying the rosary. We were investing in students, teaching them how to pray, praying with them. Uh, and not only that, I mean, Focus's formation is just top notch. I mean, they base it off of a lot of seminaries formation. So they're not only, they're forming every part of the human person, um, building up, and it, it is taken from the catechism. So building off of first human and character formation, and then spiritual formation, intellectual, and then the pastoral or apostolic. So really trying to take the whole person and form them and help them to grow into a, you know, a virtuous and holy person as a all around. So Matthew Kelly would probably say the, big, the best version of yourself, right? Helping you become the best version of yourself. So they help your missionaries do that first. And then we're trying to help the students to do that. So it really just set me on a path. I mean, I am so, so grateful for my time and focus selfishly because it taught me how to do all those things. And I still come back to those foundational principles, like even to this day of how to pray or relationship building in the workplace or even relationship building with my neighbors or my parishioners, um, how to share the faith, but, you know, not doing it in an overburdening way. So those things I kind of still fall back on consciously and subconsciously. Craig, you know, at Our Lady, we like to talk about that we're grateful no matter what. What are you grateful for specifically this week? Yeah, I think um, specifically this week, I'm just grateful to have to be have time with my family. Um, I mean, right now, I'm, I'm trusting in the Lord in new ways. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I'm unemployed during this time. And uh, I'm just really grateful for the time that I have with my family, being at home, you know, not having to go out and go anywhere, but, you know, just taking that time to continue to grow in relationship with the Lord and spend spend time with my family and my kids. And and currently, uh, very specifically, my in-laws are here at my house as I speak, um, and they are they are moving today to about five minutes down the street from us. They are moving from Fort Wayne. So we're grateful. I'm grateful to have them here and we're helping them get all settled in and they'll be right down the street from us. So well, we're also trying to, to redeem a phrase called staying salty. And for those of you who don't know, that basically means in, for millennial speak, saying sassy or being rude. So we're trying to make it mean, how are you keeping your saltiness? How are you being the salt of the earth? How are you being a good disciple? How am I staying salty? Uh, that's a great question. I think it, I mean, it's tough right now, right? I mean, everybody's in a weird, in a weird spot uh, with the, with the pandemic and the, I joke, I heard that somebody say it yesterday that they called it the Corona Geddon, which I didn't hear really that. And I, I kind of thought it was a little funny. Uh, <laughs> but um, I think mainly like how am I saying salty? Like I said before, is just trying to stay rooted, rooted in the things that matter most rooted in him. Uh, and by doing that rooted in prayer. So we've really kind of upped up our game. 
my wife was saying a 54 day rosary, rosary novena and I jumped on that bandwagon. So we've been saying a rosary every night. Uh, I've been trying to get my, you know, contemplative prayer and silent prayer in every day, every morning. And then I'm trying to um, uh, pray a Divine Mercy Chaplet every day as well. And we did the uh, no, Divine Mercy Novena leading up to Divine Mercy Sunday. So I think I, I always look at that first, like how am I coming to know Christ first? But then the next part is how am I going out and making disciples? So it's really hard right now, right? We have to get creative do it virtual meetings or whatever. I know people focus is doing virtual Bible studies, virtual discipleships. I have been doing that. We've been meeting with a group of my close friends, Mark Joseph, one of them included, you know, we, we do a virtual meeting just to kind of hold each other accountable, check in. My Exodus group has met uh, on and off throughout the pandemic. And in another, I guess, specific way, we've really been trying to, to pray and invest in our, our neighbors, my next door neighbors who are, mid-20s, newly married. Um, I think they kind of believe in God, but they don't really go to church. And we're trying to think of little ways that we're trying to invest in them and plant seeds and hang out with them and look look for opportunities to, you know, to share the gospel. Um, so it's take a, you know, a lot of patience and love uh, to do that. But they're great people. We like hanging out with them. You know, there's no kids. So we're just trying to be a witness through our family and our lifestyle and and looking for little opportunities there to drop in gospel bombs and Holy Spirit nuggets. That's awesome. Well, thanks for joining us today, Craig, and thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. sounds like you're staying very salty, that's for sure. I hope so. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's been great being with you guys. Yeah. Thank you. David, what's our call to action this week? Well, as we heard from Craig's story is that he is just trusting in the Lord during this time with his family and being grateful. So basically, you can just always say, well, I'm trusting in the Lord and not really mean anything behind it. But Craig and his family are doing novenas or diving into the roots of prayer. They're diving into their relationship with God and actually placing their trust in him. And so our call to action this day is to try to do that ourselves, try to put our our trust actually authentically in the Lord through prayer. Let's end with a prayer. God, our Father, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, I might hear the call of the new evangelization to deepen my faith, grow in confidence to proclaim the gospel and boldly witness to the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening today. And stay salty. Mm -hmm.